Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Zayana, will you come up here? I've got something special this morning. This is my daughter, Zay. Give her a hand as she comes. <laughs> Glory be to God. And uh, Zai, this morning, is going to read our passage of Scripture. Amen. 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 So open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6 and meet me at verse 24. And we'll go through chapter 7 to verse 2. And Zai will read that for us. Good morning, everybody. Sometime later, however... King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. One day, as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called to him, Please help me, my lord the king. He answered, If the lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor nor wine from the press to give you. But then the king asked, what is the matter? She replied, this woman said to me, come on, let's eat your son today. Then we will eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. Then the next day I said to her, kill your son so we can eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair. And as the king walked along the wall, the people could see that he was wearing burlap under his robe next to his skin. May God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elisha's head from his shoulders this very day, the king vowed. Elisha was sitting in his house with the elders of Israel when the king sent a messenger to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, A murderer has sent a man to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door and keep him out. We will soon hear his master's steps following him. While Elisha was still saying this, the messenger arrived, and the king said, All this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Elisha replied, Listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and twelve quarts of barley will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, That couldn't happen, even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Amen. Thank you, Zai. Great job. Put your hands together. Praise God. Thank you so much. Excellent reading. Praise the Lord. There was a study that I read This past week, after the Lord had given me this word, so this was confirmation that I read this study after he had given me this word to share with you. But in this study, it said the number one concern of Americans is not COVID, it's not crime, it's not climate change, it's not abortion, it's not Roe versus Wade or any of those things. The number one concern of Americans was by far inflation. Inflation is the number one concern of Americans. And inflation is the consistent rising of prices with the corresponding action of a decrease in purchasing power. And so prices are increasing, but your ability to purchase the same items you used to purchase has been decreased because of price increases. And so inflation is a sustained price 
increase. We are experiencing that right now where prices of things that we have normally paid for have tremendously increased. Uh, uh, and, and for example, you know gas. That's what we all like to talk about. That has tremendously increased. And, and for a certain part in time, it has also increased other things as well. But inflation always includes, it always includes wars, rumors of wars, supply chain issues. We're dealing with that now. There is a lot of demand and little supply that always tends to increase prices. Uh, don't forget that inflation also includes mandates, lockdowns, and some of these things that have occurred in a couple years ago are, are the reason why we are where we are right now. Because some of these decisions that have been made has caused inflation and has caused airports to be crowded, planes to be canceled, baby food shortage, uh, prices of certain things like chicken wings that I enjoy eating to in <laughs> incredibly increase over time. And, and what inflation has done. I mean, the Fed is trying to control what is going on. They're trying their best by increasing the interest rates. The reason they want to increase the interest rates is they want to slow down spending. If they can slow down spending, they think that they can bring down prices. But what inevitably happens is a recession follows after that, where then prices drop dramatically. And they have to be careful because there could be a deflation, meaning that you have more than what is even available to obtain Businesses then begin to slow down, and then we are at this place where your dollar or your $20 is not worth a dollar or $20 no longer. And so they want to fall somewhere right in a recession, but they're trying to avoid a recession. But how many of you know we need a recession? I mean, recessions happen. This is a part of life. What goes up sometimes comes down. And so these things are a part of life. But that's not to scare you this morning. That's to tell you that when you are involved in a society, where inflation is increasing, understand there will be price gouging. Understand that there will be greed. Understand there will be dishonest gain. Uh, just keep your eyes open. You might go to Amazon and a box of tissue might be $29.99 when it used to be a dollar. That's called price gouging. That's called dishonest gain. And that happened a lot when the masks was, were going on, how people were charging way more money for masks when, when we were having to wear masks. And so inflation, price gouges, and dishonest gain, none of this is of the spirit of God. And we find here, and you have noticed, that retirement accounts have been down, stocks have been slumbering, wages have been con consistent, not really increasing as they should. These things happen in a society where inflation is occurring. But don't get scared, church. Don't get scared by any of this. Matter of fact, we have an example here that we just read in 2 Kings chapter 6 that Samaria was besieged. And that just simply meant an army, an enemy army, did not go into the land and invade it. The enemy army surrounded the land. And so Samaria was surrounded by the enemy. They didn't attack them face forward. They attacked them on a long-term basis. And this was because of sin. Somebody say sin. Sin is the reason why Samaria was besieged. 
So this enemy army surrounded them, and the reason they surrounded them was to stop them from having trade and supply demand issues. They stopped people from coming in, and they stopped people from going out. So over time, you're going to have an issue when you can no longer trade, and they begin to have issues such as famine. They begin to have issues such as inflation because they have been besieged over several months and even years. Issues started to come up. And one of the issues we see that a donkey head, what you going to do with a donkey head? A donkey head is going for 80 pieces of silver. And I did a little minor research. That's about $50. A donkey's head. What are you going to do with a donkey's head? That's going for about $50, okay? And then Dove Dookie, yeah, I said it, Dove Dung, Dove Dookie is going for five pieces of silver. Now, you are paying for Dove Dookie. And, 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 and I might add, I might add, if I can add this, pay attention, during the tribulation period, there will be global inflation. There will be global inflation during it. And just just read the book of Revelation. You'll see uh, the, the word inflation is not in there, but you'll see prices begin to increase. And so the rich, this is one one reason why inflation and money is we have to separate it and not put our trust in money. Because in times of inflation, you understand that money in and of itself teaches us that it's just a temporary thing. And so uh, rich people are buying donkey head and dove dookie. Okay, <laughs> dove dung. Rich people are doing this. They're buying it. And look what poor people are doing. Matter of fact, a poor woman goes to the king. The king is walking the wall. So there's a big fortress that Samaria is around, and he's on top of the wall walking it. And a woman, a poor woman, albeit, says to the king, help us. I'm going to come back to this. Help us. And the king says, watch this. If the Lord doesn't help you, what can I do? And then he says, what's the matter? And she says, well, I made a deal with my neighbor. We both have babies. We're starving. There's a famine. There's a lack of money. There's a lack, I'm sorry, of food. And we don't have enough money to buy donkey head and, and dove dung. So we decided to boil our baby. And we boiled my baby first and we ate it. Now we're talking about cannibalism. And when there is sin involved in any nation, then you are you are subject to be caught up in the sin of that nation. When the highest leadership is wicked, it trickles down to the people. Sin is the reason why they're besieged, and it caused this woman to do some things that she never thought she would do. Unthinkable things, unimaginable for the things to eat my baby. I can't imagine my precious Zage, my, my, my little three-year-old throwing her in a pot. 
And then saying, hey, we're going no, we're gonna eat. That's unimaginable. But when sin's involved, and when you lose control, when you lose control, there is fear. And when there's fear, there are unimaginable acts that take place right after that. Now follow me on this. The neighbor said, the neighbor started hit her baby. She said, We're not eating our baby. And he hid it, and they brought this matter to the king. But I want to go back to what the king said. Now, this is a wicked, evil king. This king literally said, why did you bring this matter to me? If the Lord doesn't help you, I can't. And too often, we as people are looking to any and everything for help except for the Lord. We are looking to government. Government, please help us. Policies, please help us. New laws, please help us. Democratic Party, please help us. Republican Party, please help us. We're looking to our friends, help us. Neighbors, help us. Boss, come on. I, if you just give me 17 more cents per hour, that, that, that'll really help. We're looking to all these places for help, but the source of our supply comes from the Lord. And this is why the king said he's wicked, but he said, I can't help you. You're going to have to seek the Lord for help. Government's not going to help us. Only God's going to help us. Your best friend may let you down. Only God can help you. I may let you down. But only God is the one that can help you. You're going to have to keep your eyes on him. He's the one that is sustaining us. He's the one that is the strength of our being. He's the one that is the source of our supply. He's the one that we're going to look to. Matter of fact, in Psalms it says, it is better to put your trust in the Lord than in princes and in kings and in so on and so forth. It is better to trust the Lord. Somebody shout, I trust God. Somebody shout, I only trust God. Somebody shout, God is my source. Now, when we understand during difficult times like they were experienced and we are in difficult times right now, our trust has to be in God or we will do unimaginable and unthinkable things. Our trust has to be in God or we will do dumb things, make bad choices, bad decisions, and they will look when you look back at it, it will look like, why did you do that? It's because you trusted someone or something else and you didn't trust God. I want to challenge you this morning. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I want to challenge you this morning to put your trust back in God. See, the reason why you've been so afraid is because you have not put your trust in God. The reason why you're so fearful is because you've not put your trust in God. The reason why you haven't been able to sleep at night is because you have not put your trust in God. The reason why you are so worried all the time is because you have not put your trust in God. The reason why you are filled with anxiety is because you have not put your trust in God. See, if you put your trust in God, you know that everything is secure. You know that your future is in his hands. You know that he is going to cause all things to work together for your good. 
good. You know he's going to make all the crooked places straight in your life. And so fear, worry, concern, anxiety, they try to get in and take that lordship role that God should have in your life. And the fear starts saying, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to work out. You're never going to get married. You're never going to get that new job. You're never going to get a husband. You're never going to get that healing. You're never going to be advanced in life because your trust has been misplaced. You've put it in something else and not in God. Somebody shout, I trust God. I want to talk to somebody today that just haven't been sleeping right and you've been having issues, digestive issues, things going on on the inside of you. A lot of it could be because your trust is in something else and not in God. And so you are going to trust something and you are going to trust someone. I'm asking you to put that in God's hand. I trust God. Say it again. I trust God. But my, 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 poly, my party that I vote for may not win. Somebody shout, I trust God. I may not get the job that I'm trying. Somebody shout, I trust God. I may not receive that healing as quickly as I want to receive. Somebody shout, I trust God. The money may not come as quickly as it should. Somebody shout, I trust God. I'm telling when you trust God, listen, faith says, I believe God can do it. Trust says, even when he doesn't do it in my timetable, I'm going to depend on him. I'm going to rely on him. I'm going to recline in him because I trust God. And this wicked king, in essence, what he was saying, why are you asking me to take care of you? You're going to have to put your trust in the Lord. And so after they tell this terrible story about these ladies eating their children, I mean, terrible, terrible. This is how bad this is. The king begins to rip off his clothes and he has burlap underneath. And the burlap is a sign of repentance. That he's, he's showing that I repent. But he did it outwardly, but not in his heart, Sierra. He didn't repent in his heart. He did it outwardly. I'm going to tell you why we know he didn't repent in his heart. Because his next thing he said was, where's Elijah? I want to cut his head off. That's the very next thing he said. So he's going after the man of God and he's blaming God for their predicament instead of blaming his wickedness and his decisions and his choices for the bondage that they are currently in. He's blaming God. And the first thing he says is, where's Elijah? Let's cut his head off. It's amazing that one of the first thing government tries to do is cut the head off of the men and women of God. Let's silence them. Let's shut them up. Let's blame them. Let's, let's cast all type of negativity towards them. We got to cut their heads off because we blame God and not ourselves for what we're going through. I'm preaching better than you saying amen today, but it is the truth. And he said, I'm going to go after Elijah. So he sends an executioner after Elijah. And the executioner gets there first. But God, Elijah is a man of God. He's sitting at his house around the table with the elders. And he realizes that, hey, he, this, this murderer is what he called him. This murderer has sent a murderer to kill me. He says when he gets here, 
He says, keep the executioner in the room because the murderer is going to come thereafter. And so they hide the executioner, trap him in some room. Then the king comes and Elijah talks to the king. And then the king says this, I've waited for the Lord long enough. I've waited for the Lord long enough. Now I got to take matters into my own hand. I want to cut your head off. Uh, Let me ask you this question. What happens when you get tired of waiting? What happens when you get impatient? What happens when you say, I've waited for the Lord long enough? What's taking so long? God, I'm believing you. I've waited long enough. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to go steal that money. And listen, some of you say, well, I would never steal nothing. You are only about three months away from not reading your Bible to stealing somebody's money. The word of God is sustaining us. And I'm going to get to that in a few. The word of God is sustaining us. We're only three months away from doing something unthinkable. Don't try it. But just imagine not coming to church or reading your word or listening to worship music or praying for three months and, and, and then figure out where you would be. You wouldn't be where you are right now. Thank God for his word. Lift up your hands right now. Thank God for the word of God. Thank you for the word of God. And so what happens when, when you realize things are taking a long time? And Well, I'm going to tell you what happens. You get impatient. You start getting irrational. You start making Goofy decisions. I remember Stacy, this is one of a pet peeve. Um, when, when I'm coming home after a hard day's work or whatever, uh, I like to just come straight home. Who's, who's with me? Just come home. But my wife, I love, I love that woman. I just love her. Can you swing by the store? I don't want to swing by the store. I just want to come straight home. Who, who, who am I? Who, who? Come on, come on, get you. Yeah, don't be shy. I just want to come home. And I, you know, Stacy is a tremendous cook, wonderful cook. I, I can't really cook. And so when she wants me to swing by the store, it's have something to do with cooking. So I like to eat. So, you know, as much as I don't like to swing by the store, I like to eat. So I go on by the store, right? So I went to this store and I got in this line. And for some reason, the line was taking a long time. And I start thinking, what is taking so long? Now, let me show you how the rationale went. I'm in this line to check out. The line's not moving. The first thing you should think of is go to another line, right? That's not what popped in my mind. Go home. Put the stuff back. Go home. Okay. And then come back later and get it. See, this is how irrational we get when we get tired of waiting. I literally put the stuff back and was headed out the store until I thought, wait a minute. I'm going to have to come back at some point to get it. Let me just go to another line. But when you get tired of waiting, you do things that are not smart. I'm talking to somebody today. Some of you get into some big debt because you're tired of waiting for something. Some of you start dating the wrong person or you stay with the wrong person because you're tired of waiting. Some of you stay at a job and, or you leave too quickly from a job to get to another one because you just get tired of waiting. What happens when you get tired of waiting? Well, this king proves then I want to cut the head of the man of God right off his neck. I'm tired of waiting for God and I'm blaming him instead of myself for this 
predicament. And so I want to cut his head off. But thank God for a man of God like Elijah. Elijah says, I got a word from the Lord. So as soon as the king approached the man of God, even though he had negative intentions, he still went to the right source. Come on, somebody. And he went to him and Elijah said, listen, I got a word from the Lord. He says, tomorrow about this time. Or in other words, he says, this time tomorrow. Somebody say, this time tomorrow. Come on, somebody else say, this time tomorrow. Come on, one more time. This time tomorrow. Now, I don't know what you believe it for, but I just sense in my heart, I need to declare over you for those that will receive it this time tomorrow. This time tomorrow. Whatever you believe in God for this time tomorrow. Come on, Thomas, help me out with this. <laughs> Glory to God. This time, this time tomorrow. This time, imagine for a moment, whatever you have your heart set out, just imagine for a moment that it, that it manifests this time tomorrow. Whatever you believe in God for, imagine that it manifests this time tomorrow. I'm believing God for things I don't have enough money for right now. I'm believing God for things that I can't get on my own. But if it showed up this time tomorrow, glory to God, woo, I'm excited about that because God has provided this time tomorrow. Come on, say this time tomorrow. Turn to your neighbor, say this time tomorrow. This time tomorrow, this time tomorrow, whatever it is, it's going to happen this time tomorrow. And Elijah says to the king, this time tomorrow, prices will dramatically decrease. Ooh, somebody's got to get that in the atmosphere of the United States of America where inflation's concerned. I'll be the man. I declare prices will dramatically decrease. Oh, I hope you got that. I declare you're going to see, you're going to find things. Things are not been found. We can't find this. Stacy comes home and says, we can't find this and we can't find that. And I can't find this and that. We're going to begin to find some things, glory be to God. And I believe you're going to begin to find some things at no cost. Who's with me on that? I believe you're going to begin to find some things on sale. Who will believe that? I believe you're going to find some free things Prices will drastically and dramatically drop in the name of Jesus. Who will receive that? Hallelujah. I'll receive it. I'll receive it. Matter of fact, Stacy came home and I mentioned chicken wings earlier. She came home. She had a bag of chicken wings. She said, Devon, I found them on sale. I said, hallelujah. Glory be to God. And that was before I declared this time Tomorrow, we're going to find some things on sale. We're going to find some things. We are going to find some things, and they're going to be apparent, and they're going to manifest. Things are going to be found by us. Uh, we got a call. I think it was Susie, the Garris family. Susie called us and said, we, we, we have a gas card that gave us 25 cents off our gas. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. Hallelujah. That's on sale. And some of us are going to find some things for free. I said for free. I said at no cost. I said for free in the name of Jesus. Glory be to God for free. Matter of fact, these pants I got on today. You see these pants? Y'all like these pants? 
Hallelujah. I, it had a hole in these pants. When I went and bought them, and I just went to the front, they so got a little hole right here. And they said, we'll take money off of the pants. I said, okay, I'll pay for that. And then uh, a man at the register said to me, he goes, listen, go to the back. There's a seamstress back there, and uh, he'll do those pants for you. I don't know if he's going to charge you anything, but he'll, he'll fix the hole. So I went on. As, as I was going to the back, the man was walking up. He said, well, that's the man right there. I said, sir, would you fix these pants? He said, come on to the back. Came on to the back, fixed the pants up, handed them to me. I said, any charge? He said, no charge. And we walked on out the door. So not only did we get the pants on sale, we got them fixed at no cost. Who am I talking to today? Who am I talking to today? God wants to get you things at no cost. God wants to get you some things that are on sale. God wants to get you some things that are free. Glory be to God. Matter of fact, in Isaiah 55, 11, put that on the screen pretty quick. Isaiah 55, 11. Watch this. It says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Glory to God. Yes, come buy wine and milk. With what? Without money. Somebody shout, without money. Shout it again, without money. One more time, without money and without price. I'm telling you, you're going to get some things on sale at no cost and free to you. How many of you received that this morning? So now watch this, watch this. So the man that was standing right next to the king, he says, God can open up the windows of heaven and, and pour out whatever he want to pour out. But this will not happen by this time tomorrow. This is what the man standing right next to the king said. I'm up here preaching this morning. Y'all looking at this man standing next to the king like, I can't believe he did that. I'm preaching this morning. Some of y'all sitting here right now saying, that ain't going to happen. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you for saying that. That ain't going to happen. And prices ain't going to drastically drop. And you ain't going to find, I never find nothing on selling. The only reason those pants, well, you found them pants with a hole in their feet because you the pastor. That ain't it. I know pastors that don't have these type of examples that take place in their life. I'm believing for favor. Matter of fact, I declare favor upon favor over you in Jesus' name. Breakthroughs upon breakthroughs to cover you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Blessing upon blessing in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, we're walking out from this place full of favor, full of breakthroughs, full of blessing. Prices dramatically increases. Things can happen for you. Why do they always have to happen for Tom, Dick, and Harry and not happen for you? They can happen for me. Somebody say, for me. For me. For me. These things can happen for me. It can happen. It can happen for me. But this man, you know, the king's right-hand man, he said, this ain't ever going to happen. And this is what tends to happen with us. We, too often, we believe what we can see more then we believe what the word of God says. I'm going to say it again. Too often this happens. We believe what we can see more than we believe what the word of God says. And so if our five physical senses cannot receive it, then we just say it can't happen. Or if we only receive what comes through our five physical senses, then we just believe that, man, the impossible and the supernatural can't take place. But I'm telling you, by the Spirit of God and by experience, that if you will 
see the invisible, God will do the impossible. Let me say it again. If you will see the invisible, God will do the impossible. If we would just believe that God would do his job. That's it. Our job is to believe that God will do his job. That's it. Our job is to believe that God will do his job. Our job is to believe that God will do his job. And so Elijah declared, he said, by this time tomorrow, what were they supposed to do? Were they supposed to, you know, do something, do 20, 25 push-ups and do some jumping jacks? No, they were simply just to believe that God is going to do his job. But this man said, this will not happen. And Elijah said, it will happen and you will see it happen, but you won't experience it. And I want you to experience what we're talking about today. I want this to happen in your life. I want you to begin to see that you serve a big God, an enormous God, a large God, a vast God who can get to us anything from anyone, anywhere, at any time. That's the God we serve. If you need it, he can get it to you. He can bring it from the north. He can bring it from the south. He can bring it from the east. He can bring it from the west. He can bring it from people and situations that you never thought he would do it from. Many years ago, this just popped in my, my thinking. I'll share the story. I was going on a mission trip out of the country and we were going into the Middle East and I was believing God for the finances to go on this trip. And I had, I had asked people to partner with me and I had sent letters out to partner with me to go on this trip. And all the people that I thought would help me greatly, they did not help me greatly. No, no, it's not sad because the ones I never thought about, there was the ones that greatly helped in that trip. And in the case, you know, to get to the end of the story, I went on the trip, paid for, and it was not the people that I thought. It was the people that I had no idea would sow so much money in order for me to be a minister in the Middle East during that period of time. What am I saying to you? Stop trying to figure out how God's going to do it. Just eliminate the how. Get it out your mind. Get it out your thinking. How is God going to get me out of this situation? Just eliminate that thinking. God knows how. You don't need to know how. He knows how. And he'll tell you how when the time is right. This is good preaching this morning because when you can stop and literally eliminate all of the ways God's going to do it, I think it works best for you. Because if you try to think about what God's going to do with these 29 ways, he's going to make sure he's not going to do it any of those 29 ways. So stop trying to figure out how you're going to do it and just let him use all 29 of those ways that you eliminated from him using in your life. Come on, somebody shout Amen. Come on, somebody shout glory. glory. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Now watch this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, I want you to see something in verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. Now Paul's talking here and he's sharing with this church. To, he's talking to Timothy and to the church that Timothy pastors. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money 
which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Now listen to this real quick. Paul says, teach them who are rich. The King James says, charge them. And so I am under instruction. I've got to teach and instruct you who are rich. Now you may be sitting here thinking, I'm not rich. Here's how you define how rich you are. Do you have consistent housing? Do you have consistent clothing? Do you have consistent food? You are rich. You're rich. If you have a place to live, you have more than one outfit, and you are not concerned about what you're about to eat for lunch today, or dinner tomorrow, or even Tuesday. You are rich. So I'm talking to you. Somebody say, I'm rich. Teach those who are rich. Say, that's me. Now watch this. I'm going to teach you not to be proud or not to think you're better than anybody else. You are not better than anybody else. Your money is not better than anybody else. Now, you may be entrusted with more, but to whom much is given, much is required. Teach those who are rich not to be proud. A lot of people, this is where we get classism. A lot of people think because I have money, I'm better than other people. I'm supposed to teach you because God wants to increase you that you are not better than anybody else because you have money. Money does not make you better than anybody else. Matter of fact, it'll show you, we just read what it'll get you. It'll get you a donkey's head and some dove dung. That's what it'll get you, okay? Uh, watch this. I like this part. And not to trust in their money. So we are not to depend or to trust in our money, which is so unreliable. Money is fleeting. You cannot depend on it. You cannot rely on it. It is so unreliable. And so he says, don't trust in money, but trust in God. Your trust should be in God, watch this, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. He richly gives us all we need. So we are to trust God. We are to put all of our confidence in God. We are to put all of our reliance in God because God is the one who's going to give us, watch this, all we need so that we won't be poor. No. All we need so that we won't live paycheck to paycheck? No. All we need so that we can enjoy life. Now think about this. God wants you to enjoy life. Say this out to me. God wants me to enjoy life. Life should be enjoyed whatever phase of life you're in. Whatever stage of life you're in, whatever level of life you're in, it is to be enjoyed. And sometimes during difficult times, we have this mindset that we are the hoard. We are to hold on. We are to keep. We are the just don't, don't let anything go. Just hold on. But God's saying, if you trust me, I will cause you to enjoy life, even in difficult times. Glory be to God. Somebody say, I trust God. Now watch this in verse 18. He says in verse 18, tell them to use their money, watch this, to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, 
Always being ready to share with others. Let's pause there. You are to use your money to do good. Now, we're in a a, a situation where it looks like we're going to head into a recession. And a recession, people start holding on and companies start uh, selling less than what they have and they may start laying people off or whatever the case may be. These kind of things happen in a recession. What are we to do in a recession? We're to do good with our money. We, we should be rich in good works. We should be looking for ways to be good and use our money for good. We're to be generous to those in need. You are supposed to run into somebody at Walmart that can't pay enough for their groceries. And you you say, listen, I got $20. I'm going to add $20 to that. Who am I talking to in here? You should be you should be so uh, you should be so seeking what God would have you to do to help someone else that you. Yes, it put $100 in your tank. But you know what? Bless God. God has richly blessed me. I'm going to fill up that man's tank, too. Oh, I know I just blew someone's mind with that. I know I just, you just, oh my gosh, where am I going to get that from? Start where you are. Even if you said, sir, I'm going to put $2. That's all I got. I'm going to put $2 in it because I want to be a blessing. You ain't got to start filling up somebody's tank all the way. And that's the problem. We think we got to start so high. Start low. Start where you at. That's right. Start low. And then he says, always, somebody shout always. Being ready to share. Always ready to share. I've got more than enough and I'm going to share it with you. So we're to do four things. We're to use our money to do good, be rich in good works. That means we are looking for ways to use our money. We're to be generous to those in the needs. That means willing to give our money away and then ready to share with others. This is what we are to do during bad economic times. And then look at verse 19. You look, look at verse 19. You're going to love verse 19. By doing this, we just told you what this was. They will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future. Woo! So you do this now, your future is already set up. So that they may experience, what's the name of our church? True life. There it is right this. When you do this, you're going to store up treasure for the future. When you have a need in the future, God's going to supply that need because you helped supply someone else's need. And then you will begin to experience true life. This is the life we're to live during this season. Matter of fact, always, but especially during this season. We are to live a life that uses our money to do good. We are to do good works with it. We are to be generous with it. And we are we're to be willing to share and distribute our money during difficult times. And what happened back in Samaria was very, very, very difficult times. But I submit to you that if you heed the word of the Lord, by this time tomorrow, prices will drop. By this time tomorrow, what you are believing God for will manifest by this time tomorrow.
tomorrow. This is how you experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.